This is the Ruse Report, the show that brings you all the latest news, gossip, and analysis from the world of cycling. It's just me, Ollie from Cycling Pulse, here with you today as we sit down with Rory Townsend of UCI Continental Team Canyon DHB. 2019 was a hell of a season for the 24-year-old, placing well in major one-day races in Belgium, coming fourth in the Irish National Champs, and taking part in the World Championship Road Race, where he represented Ireland. We cover all of that and more on today's episode of the Ruse Report. Okay, Rory, thanks for joining us on the Ruse Report today. How's it going? Where are you? Yeah, all good, man. Thank you. Um, I'm back in uh, at my home uh, in Surrey, getting ready for the net for the sort of start of the uh, the winter slog, basically. Nice. So, what's that going to involve for you then? The, the winter slog. Here's a question, actually. For I mean, like base base miles and stuff. Is, do you guys do that sort of stuff? Um, typically, yeah. I personally um last year i sort of moved away from the traditional sense of like um how you would build a winter with typically you'd go and do your sort of base miles first and then you'd start doing like um shorter sharp sharper efforts as the uh, as the winter progresses and i kind of did things a little bit almost the other way around just because um i wanted to improve my sprint this year and the way i saw it was you need to be fresh to work on that because if you if you try to sprint on tired tired legs you can never fully <coughs> exhaust yourself so i kind of did it like that and um yeah it was i i mean it seemed to work for me and it meant that when i was doing the long miles and stuff as the season was approaching and naturally i was starting to lo- get down to my race weight and things like that so i found it was it was quite good for me so right you do you do do base miles i mean obviously yeah so last winter in in your block sounds like you tried to focus on being a bit fresher and that kind of paid off for you didn't it that's i mean 100% this was like your best season ever yeah um the winter was um it was like it was different to anyone that i had before i i had i didn't have the best run into it because i i had a shoulder up just in sort of like november time uh and that took me off the bike for a long time uh longer than i would ever usually have off um and i think yeah it's just i guess rest is generally underrated because i I came back and i was going really well from it um from just having a little bit of extra time time off the bike um and then had a really good training camp with the guys uh, in calpe in january um and everything seemed to be going brilliantly and then yeah first race of the season challenged mallorca came down this big crash um if anyone remembers it was when Mikel Landa broke his collarbone um I I cracked the head of my radius um but I uh, didn't make the cycling news uh, cover for that one so but uh wasn't the uh wasn't the ideal start as it was but uh, yeah thankfully it picked up again from there yeah no no that's that's right I do remember that so so before we get into to kind of your results Rory so in in winter then so let's say for for last winter how many hours or or kilometers a week would you be doing and, and what would the the structure of it look like um so obviously um the sort of yeah the the hour the hours i would spend um on the bike in the early parts of winter were 
probably around 15 hours, which might sound, um, which doesn't sound like a huge amount, but um, I was doing about 15 hours there and then I was doing about another three, three or four hours in the gym every week as well because that was something else I wanted to incorporate into my training this year. Um, and then as we started moving in over to the sort of training camp in Calpay, that's where things became a little bit more, you know, on the bike. Um, and yeah, generally the sort of, um, day that we go out, it'd be like, um, we'd ride from our, from our accommodation and then we'd, we'd head up to sort of like a colder rats kind of climb or something like that. And we do like a specific effort up there. So typically I would always be doing sort of five, I was doing a lot of five minute efforts, VO2 max, uh, wattage. And then I'd be doing FTP sets for 20 minutes at a time. Um, and then another session that I'd like to do would be like, um, do like a minute at VO2 and then a minute at zone, at zone two. And that's just generally to try and like raise your FTP a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, we it was a lot of sort of like varied kind of training. Um, we also had uh, days where like the, the sprinters would go and they'd do some lead out train work, and then everybody else would do you know other other things as well. So um, yeah, I guess training in general is should be specific to the activity that you're aiming for. So that's what we were trying to achieve interesting so so you yeah you seem to focus a lot on the sort of five minutes and under type effort uh one of the things that i struggle with i think a lot of amateurs struggle with actually is is you know making those gains to raise your ftp because what i end up doing is uh, you know i put in quite a few hours on the bike but generally it's all pretty similar stuff and i find raising the ftp is 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 a challenge right but i mean from from what people tell me it seems that you know if you can really focus on that top end power it almost raises the ceiling and your ftp will fill that and start to is, and start to rise is, is that what you find it depends like i think by raising the ceiling i think i agree with that sense in terms of um say like like a sprint for example so if i can raise my max my max power um and then take that into a race if someone's attacking in front of me and i'm having to follow it i won't be at, at as much of a percentage of my max power than maybe previously i was and therefore i'm literally not going i'm not having to go as hard to shut that gap down as i would have done previously so I guess in terms of raising a ceiling and stuff like that, I agree with it to that sense. I think in terms of training the FTP though, I think you need to be training the specific energy system as opposed to like training yourself to be able to do higher watts. So you just need to, what you're generally trying to achieve is become more comfortable um, at a higher wattage. So you know, the long, the longer time you can spend in that zone, eventually, it, you know, it becomes that. So, yeah, when you're doing sessions, you want to you want to spend. So, like I was saying earlier about doing one minute at uh, above my FTP and then one minute at just zone two, that is a nice session to do, which can easily be overloaded by, say, taking shorter rest periods 
uh, between the VO2 sets or just making the entire session itself a lot longer. And then all you end up doing is spending more and more time above your FTP until everything catches up and you're at a point where you're actually comfortable just sitting at that power. So I think that's sort of the um, the best way of yeah achieve, achieving that. Are you charging for this advice, by the way? No. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> just giving it all so 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 okay so in, in winter then before you get you know on on the road properly what 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 are you looking to to get to in terms of your five minute power i don't know why i've always been so keen on working that side of things specifically i think i actually quite enjoy a five minute effort um so and as well a lot of the hills near where we are you know box hill for example is about a five minute climb um and there's one near me called green dean where i do a lot um so a nice session that i do is like laps around box hill or green dean where you ride five minutes on the climb and just go over the top turn your legs and come around and do it again and that turns into a big long day without you actually realizing and i'll just smash out some five minute efforts so the best i think the best five minute power i I did. I did. A, I did a big five-minute power when I went for the Box Hill Com. Um, that was that, which was, which was pretty much flagged before I even made it home. And then um, I did the highest. Did you get the. Did you get the Com. I did. Yeah. I had some. I, I got. I got. I got to say, I had some help, but I did get it. Um, and uh, yeah. Nice. I did. So you're listed now, currently, as the the Com holder. No, no, it got take, it got taken down. I didn't, I didn't put too much effort into um, ah, okay. trying to uh, <laughs> trying to fight it. So, given given the luck, like, I I did have help. So. <laughs> right, fair enough. Um, so yeah, for your for your five minutes up box, then what was that? What were you averaging? I think I did I did five hundred and thirty six. I think Jesus. Yeah. So it was it it was part of a it was part of a session. So I I um yeah I. I did the box hill and then and then the box hill com itself and then had to carry on trying to turn my legs over for the last sort of 40 seconds I think it was that I had left of the five minutes so crikey well done (laughs) (laughs) um cool okay so there you go nice solid winter training block seemed like you're in pretty good form uh as you approach the start of the racing season and yeah as you said earlier so you got to challenge Mallorca which is Challenge Mallorca is one of those sort of early season races, isn't it? Just quickly describe what 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 that is for for people that don't really follow. Well, yeah, it's 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 basically it's four individual um, races which are all back to back. So it kind of almost makes its own sort of mini stage race. Um, they're they're listed as like a UCI one point one, which isn't. Um, it's not like that, the highest level of rating, but you, the teams that come to the event tend to sort of um, are a lot bigger than um, than it's it's you know its grade might suggest. So there's you know you have Movistar were there, and uh, there was a lot of World Tour teams going there and using it, as, you know, basically just to see where they were. Um, and it was the first time I did it, and I've got to be honest, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> Uh, the wind played, you know, wreaked havoc. It was, it was such a nervous bunch. Um, just people, yeah, we just like going along and just be slamming on the brakes. You can hear the brakes squealing behind you, and it was just, it was really unpleasant. And then you could feel this crash was about to happen before even, yeah, before uh, before it did. And 
yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was just an absolute mess. Um, but it is it is a really like cool. It's a cool event. It's like a really good way to prep for the season by um, yeah, going going that hard. It's it's you know it's so hard to replicate that in training in February. So so, so yeah, lots of the world tour teams show up, don't they? So uh, who were you sort of rubbing shoulders with there? I can't even remember who who was about that. I mentioned um, Lander, who obviously he came down, and uh, Valverde was there, I think, as well. So yeah, it was some. Um, it was a fairly stacked field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But didn't didn't and didn't Kittle wasn't that his last win? That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He did the um, the trophy. He did the. Yeah, I've almost I've almost blanked the whole race from my memory. It was such a it was such a bad one for me. So, um, but yeah, no, he was. He won the he won the stage into Palmer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, maybe we're about to see the resurgence of Kittel. And I, from from just from my own perspective, I was thinking, I was thinking about Harry and thinking, God, I hope, yeah, that'd be really good for Harry to have a have a good season with looking after Marcel. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, not to be for for uh, for Kittel this year. What do you think happened to to Kittel? What's your take on it? What's like the view from the bunch if you have one? I I think. Um, I mean, it seems to me it's just a bit of a mental, you know, it's a bit of a mental game. He's clearly like, he's an incredible, like a very, very good athlete. He's still young. There's still a lot in him. But these, um, the, the out and out sprinters are <laughs> they're a strange breed. <laughs> like, um, they, I think they mentally, like when they're up, they can be like in a place where they're almost unbeatable, but it's so hard to sort of, once you're out of that, it's really hard to get it back. And I think he was out of that for a long time. And I just think he he just felt like he couldn't find the way to win. I think probably in the um where he was, like I think he probably thought like it's so far back to the days when he, you know, he was winning races like at a canter. Um that he thought, I guess, that he, he couldn't carry on. Um I mean he obviously showed like he showed in Mallorca that he's still got it, but um, you know, with all due respect to the field, like it certainly wasn't the world's best sprint in the world there. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's unfortunate that, that he felt it, it was like that he had to, you know, walk away from cycling. Um, but mm. yeah, it, it, it seems to me that the the sort of the sprinter in cycling is 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 very similar to the striker in football. Yeah. You know, that I definitely it's, agree with a you lot there, of yeah. it is form and confidence based. You know, if you're a sprinter, I mean, look, you'll know this better than pretty much anyone. Uh, you've got to be fearless, right? In that last two, three, 400 meters. You, you, yeah. know, you can't have any. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well, actually, because I always think to myself, oh, I hate sprinting. Like, I don't like it. But honestly, like it's, it's really hard to explain, but when you get into the scenario and you're in that those final few Ks, you got, I mean, my, I think my head just goes to a different place, and I, I don't even I don't doesn't even cross my mind about taking a risk here or a risk there. You just you think you all sort of like ideas of danger, or anything just disappears from your head, and you're in like a different place. And it's actually, uh, yeah, it's 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 a really weird but quite um, an addictive feeling um in the in the closing stages of a race what do you think uh is the most important thing uh about being a, a good sprinter do you think it's about 
positioning? Do you think it's about having the the lead out? Do you think it's about having no fear? Is it raw power? What do you think it is? I think I think positioning is 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 really important. I think, and that's not just positioning. I think typically, you know, some people might view that as, um you know, the bike handling that gets you into that place. But it's actually about deciding when is best to use an effort to, you know, uh, to get into the right position. So obviously you want to keep your legs as fresh as possible to to get into a sprint. Um, but at some point you are going to have to make a little bit of an effort if it's out of a corner or something to get, to get the wheel in front of you so that you're in the right place. Now, um, that is, of course, like where a lead-out train is, is so valuable and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think positioning is is massively important because you can have all the watts in the world. But it doesn't matter if you're sprinting from 20th place. Yeah, I mean, with, with respect to Katusha, who Kittle was riding for, you know, they, they, they didn't have the, you know, the world's best lead-out train, did they? Um, but then you look at someone like Peter Sagan and, you know, historically at least he hasn't relied on on a lead out you know he's been able to just position himself individually to be there right at, at the business end and then you look at someone like cav historically who's you know relied entirely on having the best lead out um so i suppose you know you need some riders just need need some assistance there don't they i guess yeah i think um one thing like Sagan, the one thing with him is I just think he's so well respected in the bunch um, that some guys will happily almost let him be there in front of him. You know, he's he's so um, he's so good in, in in holding his bike. Like you don't have to worry. You know, he's he's never going to sort of like just tumble in front of you. So I think that's one thing that allows him the space that he sometimes uh, sometimes finds himself in. What about at, at, at sort of domestic level, which makes up the majority of, of your races, at least currently of, of, of a season, Rory? How, how do the sprints differ from from the the, the higher levels of racing? Oh, they're a lot more. Um, it's it's a lot more of a free for all. I think um, you don't have teams going to the races who have practiced lead outs. Like it's the first time that we practiced lead outs this year in Calpe and we didn't do a lot of it um so you, do, you never have one team completely dictating um like a lead out like that so um that then be- does become a bit more of a sort of physical battle i would say um and like i was saying it's a lot more about making an effort when you feel like you have to to be in the position to then <laughs> excuse me uh you know, to be in a position to then um, compete for the win. So I think it took me a long, long time to actually for it to click in my head that I had to be be in the race to to go for the race. Because I think for a long time I was thinking, you know, it'd be like five k out, and I was like, you know, I'd absolutely be swinging. I think there's no way I can finish off like this. But in actual fact, like once you get over that and you get through that, and you realise everybody's in the same boat. And there's a natural sort of like cream sort of rises a little bit. Um, then yeah, then you're in a position to actually uh, to go for the win. Yeah, so it seems 
it seems that you know at, at the highest level if you if you want to you've got to earn your right right it seems like a a real fist fight in there in the bunch at the end you know you're going at like 60k towards the finish line and you just got to get on that wheel right no 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 matter what but it seems you know like really ruthless yeah i think at all levels of the sport there's like there is like a bit of a hierarchy to some extent and you know generally like like i remember i remember coming into a finish once at tour britain i was sandwiched between like viviani and um caleb ewan and caleb literally just you know tapped me on the hip and he's like he's like oh he's like mate i need that wheel i just you know in a situation like that i think yeah okay fair enough like <laughs> um i was pretty young at the time and i wasn't wasn't feeling like i was gonna go battle um caleb and viviani for the win so um and similarly like when i was younger in a you know get, doing my first premier calendar and stuff like that it is really hard to sort of like kind of break that um idea that you know that there's this sort of hierarchy but yeah once once you're once you're there and you're in it and you've sort of proven yourself then you've sort of got your space then <laughs> so it seems like almost you've got to, to to prove yourself you've just got to somehow you know somehow get on get on a wheel or something and make it happen yeah. but you know you're not beat the odds yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah um yeah interesting so who do you think is the best sprinter right now um i think so, <laughs> there's two that definitely jump that jump out of me and i think that's probably i think gronavegan and sam bennett are the two in the world right now that i think in a, in a straight up sprint, the two of them, you can back them to win. I said of the two of them, I'd say probably Sam in a straight up sprint. I'd say Sam is probably the best sprinter in the world right now. Um, Gronavegan's definitely got the team um, and he's got that side of things absolutely dialed. But uh, yeah, I think Sam is the way he's like changed as a sprinter and as a rider has been like phenomenal and he's absolutely probably the best in the world right now. Yeah, so this is, uh, let's talk about Sam a bit, Rory. So you obviously race for Ireland. You're part of the I Irish national setup. Um, yeah. Even though you have very little Irish accent, Rory, what's the connection again? <laughs> uh, my dad, my dad was over, his, uh, he, grew no <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, he grew up there. and He grew up there and... There's, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've got more family there than I do anywhere else and um yeah it was sort of a bit of a sort of that it was a natural move for me over over there really in the end so 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 anyway yeah so you raced at the irish national champs in was that in july was it was it july or june it was uh 30th of june it's my birthday 30th of <laughs> june so you finished fourth did you not yeah uh and yeah sam won the race yeah. didn't he um so what 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 happened there that race was ridiculously hard. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, it was that <clears throat> that was that that was actually where I did my highest ever five minute power. I think I, I'm sure I broke some other records that day as well. Um, and the numbers on on in that race were just off the charts. Like um, it was on from the gun. Like Eddie literally attacked from the gun, um, and he and Sam got away shortly after with. Uh, what was it? It was like, I think it was four of them at first. And eventually it was just down to 
Sam and Eddie. Um, I was in a chase group behind with uh, Ryan Mullen, Connor Dunn, uh, Ben Healy from Wiggins, and uh, Dara Dara Armani. Um, and we were, you know, it was it was a strong group, and we were we were riding pretty much the majority of the group anyway. Was fully committed to it, um, and we were barely, de- you know, we really weren't really denting the lead. Just stayed at sort of a minute and a half of the whole race. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what's what's so special about Sam? Do you think, and and how far can he go? I mean, obviously he's he's doing pretty well already, but yeah, I think um, I, I I don't really know what it is about Sam. He, he's he is a, he's a bit of a monster when it comes when it comes into that final those final few um, kilometers. Is like we've spoken about his, his bike handling and stuff is phenomenal. Um, he he said to me before. Before Euros this year, he said, "When you come into the finish, you've got to make people scared of you. You've got to convince them that you're mental." So he pulls, yeah, he, he pulls some pretty wild tricks in the uh, in the you know in the finish of uh, of some races, I think. But um, I think, yeah, his his raw power is 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 pretty impressive, but also the way he's able to do it, deliver it uh, at the end of a race, um, he can he can go long. Uh, he can leave it like really, really late as well. Um, he gets over a climb like a little bit better than I'd say like a lot of the guys, a lot of the sprinters. So, um, yeah, I think he's just like a really good all-round rider. I think it's taken him a long time to get to where he's at now. So he's always had to do to race in a different way to maybe what he is now and I think that's the reason that he's a little bit more well-rounded than some of the other sprinters yeah nice I mean yeah he's definitely he's staying at Bora isn't he for next season I I believe so yeah very interesting yeah hopefully big things again from him uh next year so yeah that was the Irish National Championships yeah you finished fourth which I mean you must have been pleased with that right um no (laughs) (laughs) podium I I guess just missed I I had when I, when I sat down at the start of the year, it, Irish Nationals was my aim for the year, and I I was going really well coming into it. I I podium UCI podiums two week both weekends previous to it, so I knew I was in good shape. Um, and yeah, I think there was there was a long stoppage during the race. Um, unfortunately, it was like a really bad incident. There was a long stop, stoppage during the race, and at that point, there was three of them up the road. Um, and I was able to. Um, I was chatting with my dad, and he's like, "You know, like, what are you going to do?" And I was like, "Look, I'm just going to go absolutely all out. Like, there's there's no point of you know. I said there's no point in being there for fourth." <laughs> was was actually what I said to him, and in the end, yeah, sure enough, that's where I finished. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I, I lost the race when I, I couldn't hold on to Eddie. And, um, there's a really steep climb, and Eddie and Sam got away from us then, and I, I couldn't hold 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 the wheel at that point. So that was that was kind of where I lost the race. But yeah, I I planned it all out. I'd even like thought about a way that I was going to try and out sprint Sam at the finish. Um, however ridiculous that might sound, but yeah, I, I really like given it a lot of thought. So. Well, look, fourth, very, very respectable, Rory. Um, we should say, actually, so you did, you took part in the Tour de Yorkshire again earlier in the year, didn't you? But unfortunately, you, you came down with an illness, so so you had to pull out of that. Um, but I suppose as a as a UCI Conti rider, most of your, so you have a mixture of sort of 
the the European and and some world level uh, races, but but the majority is is kind of UK domestic racing, and then you know some commerces in Belgium, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would actually say now we're at a point where the majority of races we do are are on the continent. Um, there's sort of one, yeah, the sort of Belgium, French, Dutch races we do out there. Um, we've had a really, we've had a big enough squad this year where we've more often than not run a split calendar. So we'd have like one team doing the premier calendar race in the UK, or sorry, the elite road series race in the UK, and then another team like off in Belgium or something. So, so uh, t- tell us a little bit about those sort of Belgium races. Um, I mean, what's the difference in, in, in riding and level the way you approach them to the, to the UK ones? The UK races, uh, in terms of the elite road series race, I'd say are very, very tactical. Um, I think it only, you know, the right break goes with the right people in it from the right teams and you won't see it again in the UK. Um, Whereas in Belgium, there can be like a really strong group that goes and you think, okay, that's probably it. But it only takes one team not to be happy with it. And there's such like a strength and depth out there that one team's not happy. You know, they, they, they will, probably bring it back themselves and have probably the power to, to do that so um yeah so yeah i mean do you feel that you know there's lots of is it mainly a kind of strength and depth point that that's what you find on the continent is that right yeah i think so um uh yeah it's it's interesting that there's definitely there is a, certainly a different style of racing i think um and i think I I feel I'm, I feel fortunate that I've come from racing in the UK and stuff. I think it's taught me a lot of things which have which are useful um, when racing um, on the continent. Like the way the way I think about a race and thinking about it has um, you know I think about thinking about when to make my efforts and things like that is not necessarily I see something I see loads of other guys doing <laughs> in 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 the continent. Like you see there'll be breaks going there'll be guys like apps going absolutely flat out to get across to it. Whereas I'll kind of look at things like, okay, right. There's clearly not the right makeup in that group ahead. You know, that that's probably not going to go. Um, which I, th- I think is something I've learned from, um, yeah, doing, doing stuff in the UK. So how important is it for a rider like yourself to, uh, participate in, in those types of races in, in Belgium and France? Yeah, I think I think firstly it's it's great. Like you feel like you're in the real sort of like home home of the sport when you do those kind of races. Um and I've never been one I've never really wanted to do the same stuff year on year. Like I always like to mix it up. So by doing that it's it's really nice as well. Um but I do think without those races you have very few opportunities in a year with which to move up um so so to get your name get your name out there right yeah yeah um that's that's really the platform with that provides so um so how does how does that work then rory so so you're taking part in these races um is is it just about trying to uh you know get a really good result or is it more about just putting in a really decent performance and then kind of speak literally speaking to kind of team managers and support staff from other teams is that is that really what it comes down to yeah i mean 
there is there is only point in speaking to the manager itself of the team. Like, there's no point, you know, going to Swanee and the mechanic. You've got to speak to the, the head man, and he'll he'll have, you know, he'll have 101, you know, CVs and Palmares on his desk as well. So, um, it's the best time to do it. Really, is I think at a race when you know he can see you and you can show him what you're about. So, um, there was a race this year where. I, I was I was third um, behind uh, Philipson from UAE and Hodeg from um, Quickstep, and I literally just went over to a team after that team that I had my eye on. I just said like, okay, this is what I've done. Like, you know, let's chat. So that's a pretty direct way of going about it. But I think that's you know that's one way of you know getting getting seen. You know, you have to, you can't just like sit back and hope it all comes to you. So, and what do you think they're looking for? These, these, you know, continental based teams from, from, uh, from kind of British riders. I don't know. I suppose every, uh, every rider, you know, brings something different to the team. I think most team managers will look generally the way that they sort their team out is, you know, they'll sign their, their big riders, their race winners quite early on. Like, usually sort of around June um, kind of time, June, July, I would say they, they start getting those conversations and those things sorted. And then after that, they start building in the um, the support men around that. So whether that's someone that the, the team leader wants to bring in or uh, maybe someone they've already, they've already got on. Um, I think sometimes a lot of, a lot of what motivates uh, a team is like, um how sponsors view riders and things like that so there'll be a few riders that from the uk that maybe get rides because a sponsor they have you know a team might have a uk sponsor for example and 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 things like that make a difference um you know like what is it you know danish teams want danish riders and british teams want british you know it's that that is how how things go so very quickly then what what's going on with the the uk domestic scene so it seemed like sort of two years ago it seemed to be in pretty good shape um there were a number of sort of pretty sort of seemingly from the outside at least well set up teams taking part and then just in the last 12 18 months um you know a number of those teams have, have, have folded so uh in the uk we had one pro they went they folded, didn't they? Um, yeah. Madison Genesis this year. Who else? Last year was JLT Condor. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've lost some big hitters over the years. Yeah. These were, you know, those are certainly two of the, the longest running teams, weren't they? I mean, wh- yeah. what, 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 what is going on? What's the future for the UK scene? Yeah. I like that you said briefly talk about, because you know it's a topic I'm sure could, people could talk about all day, but. Um, I think, yeah, it's good that, you, good that you, as you alluded to, like this, this situation a few years ago was was pretty strong. Um, we had sort of like NFTO, JLT, um, One Pro, and everything was great, and it was almost like there was too many teams for riders. Um, and then wages, you know, wages were quite high, and it was you know, one team would drive up the other team in terms of like, they would just drive the price up of, of, of riders, you know? Um, and then it just seemed to sort of all just crash down. Um, 
I think it just became too expensive and without, you know, without getting anything back for the sponsors or the team. And it just wasn't, it just no longer became viable because it was too expensive to do everything. Um, I'd say one thing that has really hindered the progress as well um, is Brexit. There's, there's, you know, there's no way around it that people don't really know what's happening. And in any times of sort of uh, unknown, you know, people tend to hold on to what they have. And the first, the first thing that gets cut in any major company is is marketing so i i can see why that's why that has had an effect um there's a hot take there rory uh, yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i think the quicker that's sorted out the better but let's not go too deep into that right now um but yeah generally i just think there needs i think british cycling really needs to have a look at what um what they see happening like what they want out of the british scene because i think you know domestic racing in the uk is an integral part of it and it is important to have something that people that go into cycling at a participation level can eventually progress into um but at the moment yeah the, this the model's not quite working so yeah i mean going forward personally i'd really like to see it a little bit modeled on sort of the french system where you have like you have like regions and then each region has teams, you know, like when I was a youth, there was a lot of regional stuff that we used to do. Like I'd be part of like Southeast cycling and, you know, we'd go and race together and that, that was always a really good thing. And I, I'd, I'd like it to see something like that come into it. And then from that, you get people, you know, supporting teams because it's like, you know, it's there, like it's close to them and, you know, that team represents that region and stuff like that. And, you know, um, you have a bit more of an identity to the team instead of, you know, teams that change names and change kit every year. So it becomes quite hard to follow. I mean, fundamentally, if, when you break it down, the, the, the sport itself needs exposure, doesn't it? Because without that, you don't get sponsorship, which funds, you don't get sponsorship or you don't get broadcast rights, which funds the whole operation. Sure. Yeah. Like TV, like the media, sponsorship and the sport itself are all tied in together so yeah exactly so it's always a case of thinking right you know how you know you see it in cricket i mean they're forever playing with the formats with cricket and they seem to have solved it with 2020 that was they probably brought that in you know 18 odd 15 years Mm. ago or something but that seems at least domestically to have sort of started on a downward trajectory and now they've come up with a new format. The draft, yeah. Shorter. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, I mean, I don't doubt. I mean, certainly British Cycling obviously look at this all the time, don't they, and think, right, what what can we do here? Um, So, you know, there's a number of options, aren't there? But, you know, there have been initiatives, haven't there? So the Tour tour Series, for example, has been pretty pretty successful, I would say, right over the last few. Yeah, years? I I, th- I think so. Yeah, um, it hasn't. I don't think British Cycling really had loads to do with the Tour Series, though, which is again a shame. Mm. So we're just thankful to sort of Sweet Spot and and those guys for um, you know putting stuff like that together. But um, yeah, I, I personally, like, I've really enjoyed. I've always enjoyed doing Tour Series. Like I love going around and stuff like that I think is really important for the domestic scene because it means that you can actually 
um, you know, see people, people, you know, come over and they chat with you and stuff like that. And it's a bit more sort of, you know, becomes a little bit more real life for, for people, you know, watching basically, because it gives them an opportunity to see you in the flesh so and, and see the racing and see how it all works. So, yeah, for people who don't know what the tour series is, it, it's, it's basically a series of city center crit races over sort of eight, eight ish rounds in the, in the UK. And, you know, it's, it's quite short. It's very, um, uh, it, it, very exciting racing. And yeah, as, as Rory said, it's, it's designed to kind of make it as attractive as possible for spectators, you know, there in person, but then also for television. Um, so yeah, like that's obviously a, a way of doing things. Um, but anyway, so basically, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's not in a good place right now. What, what happens to all the riders then Rory? Uh, I mean, there's far too many riders now for, for the number of places, right? I mean, what, what do these people do? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know really. I think I do, I do think sometimes a few, there's definitely a few guys who become, um, who sort of lose, lose sense of it all. Just, they, they forget that what we, that what we do is like, we're so lucky to do it. I think sometimes I guess a little bit lost and people feel like they deserve, they, you know, they deserve a ride if, you know, oh, he's getting one, I should get one and things like that. But there's, there really is like, I think we're all so fortunate to be in a position where we can basically ride our bikes and get paid for it. And the most important thing is to like sort of never, yeah, never forget that. So when it, when it is taken away and it does go, I don't think, you know, you don't need to see it as like, a massive loss you just see it as something as like okay that was great while i had it it's time to get on with you know whatever whatever else you do you know um and still there is like the cycling definitely teaches you a lot that can be taken into other parts of you know as other aspects of life you know you have like the um you have the commitment of training um and you know looking after yourself and and just yeah, you know, working working as a team and, and, and getting on with people in, in in the same way as you would in any other walk of life, in any other job. So very true, very true. Um yeah, so look, let's let's wait and see what happens with, with the UK scene. Um couple other things I wanted to talk about, Rory. Now you did the Olympic test event in uh July. So this is for next year's Tokyo twenty twenty Olympics. So what quickly describe what what happened what the course looks like uh what do you think we can expect from from next year yeah that was definitely one of the cooler um <laughs> the cooler the cooler days i've had um this year that was a really really great experience to like go out there and experience japan and stuff and i think first off i've got to say i think next year the whole the whole olympic games i think will be absolutely phenomenal like We've seen that Japan during the rugby has put on like an amazing tournament. I think the Olympics is just going to be incredible. Um, there's such like a such like an amazing, it's such an amazing place. The people are just like this, just wonderful people out there. Honestly, they're they're so nice, and we were looked after so well. Um, the race itself was, um, I mean, it wasn't one for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's going to be won by, I think, an ex- you know, basically just a pure, pure climber. It's a pure climber's course, pretty much. Um, 
the race that we did, I think was like a hundred, I think it was 170 K, um, 3,800 meters of climbing. And that didn't include Mount Fuji, um, which is, I think something like 15 or 16 K at 12%. It's just an absolute slog. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fireworks on there. Um, so do you reckon it's, it, it's a, a literally an out and out climber or more, 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 more like a Valverde or something? I mean, yeah, my heart, my heart really says like that someone like Dan Martin might, might be able to win, but my head frankly says it's going to be really hard to beat Valverde. <laughs> um, because the climbs as well, like they're steep, they're, they're steep climbs. Um, they're not just sort of like long sort of drags, you know, where, you know, you'd see like Ineos just roll up and, and take to the front like any other Grand Tour stage. They are, they're steep, hard climbs. So um, to put it into perspective, on the last climb, which I think is 7K long at 13%, um, I got off and walked. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I came, I entered, I came to the bottom of the climb in like a lead group of 20, I think. And as soon as it started going up, I started going back. So, and um, in the end, I was I was crawling up this climb at about 5K an hour and my legs were just screaming at me. And I just thought, I might as well just walk. I think it was quicker anyway. So, um, yeah, it was, re- it was, it was a tough, it was a tough day. So, um, wow wow okay so it looks like if if anyone's gonna get their bets in early it's gonna be someone like valverde potentially. yeah i think about Valverde, bernal someone like that interesting right there you have it there you have it um i can't believe valverde's even gonna still be racing next year it's ridiculous isn't it but- i know it's mad isn't it i think if if you had to if i had to put my money anywhere i think i would probably go for Bernal I would say I just think the Colombian team will have the strength and depth and um he's a sort of outstanding one of of that group so I think yeah he, he he'd be my bet I'd say we shall see we shall see um <laughs> cool so fast forward towards the back end of the season Rory we could have spoken about the Tour of Britain a bit longer because it was probably your your best race of the season, wasn't it? You won the sprints jersey for Canyon uh, DHB, um, which was mega, right? So this was, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Best result of the season? Um, I I'm at, I'll actually say I think I did. I, there was a couple of races that I did in in, in Europe where I was on the podium, um, in like one point ones. I was and it was like I was on the podium behind like a couple of world tour guys and stuff. I, I'd actually say those were the ones I look back on and think those were kind of my best days. Um, I went into the tour of Britain and it was, uh, the red Jersey was literally like one of my aims. And I don't necessarily think that m- loads of guys go into the race thinking like, oh, I'm going to go for the red Jersey. Um, but I definitely did like from, from that first, that first um, stage when I was up the road, um, I remember having a conversation with Jake Scott and I literally said to him, are you going to go for this climb? Um, because I am only going for the sprints today. That was, uh, we literally like, I said to him, I was like, I'm only here for like one thing. So, um, 
yeah, it was it was definitely one of my aims. The other one was to try and podium on a stage, try and get a top three on a stage, which um, I didn't didn't achieve, which was a bit of a shame. Um, I sort of, there, I think it was stage five that finished in Birkenhead, and that was the day that I thought I would I'd sit back. Um, wait for the finish and try and go for the finish then um and in the end i ended up crashing um uh and i cracked uh cracked a rib which pretty much was like the end of me in, in a racing sense um for the rest of the tour so i was sort of just trying to get around at that point and look after what i had as opposed to um get anything more out of the race very special for the team though right i mean you guys won it last year as well so you know. yeah yeah i think last year actually when i won it uh, sorry when alex won it um i think i actually enjoyed that more and i was happier last year when he won it than this year when i won it which might sound a bit strange but i think first off alex is a guy that doesn't always get the opportunities to do stuff like that so i was really happy when he had his opportunity to take it and go for it um he's like a real work worker on the team so that was great and then also like I, I put a lot into him winning it as well like I really like I kind of like worked a lot for him in that race and so it's good I felt like I really contributed to the jersey without having to have any of the sort of like burden on my shoulders of this of kind of carrying it so I was able to just sort of sit back and enjoy it a little bit more as this year I just felt especially after the crash when I didn't really feel like I, I didn't feel myself. Um, in the end, it was just a relief as opposed to sort of any sort of like joy, <laughs> which is which is the sad truth of it, really. It'd be like that sometimes, Rory, hey? Hey? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, yeah. Me- mega result nonetheless, right? I mean, it's always good to be up on the podium at the end of the, the race uh, with, uh, with some champagne and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so right the, the season wouldn't be complete we shouldn't have left this till last really but anyway y- your last race of the season a month ago now wasn't it a month to the day almost um god is that what it was yeah the, the, the world championship so you got a late call up didn't you to the I- ireland team uh for the for the world champs um i was up there in yorkshire it was absolutely horrendous um the whole thing i cannot believe what you guys went through um yeah just kind of just describe what what that was like yeah i mean it was it was such an amazing experience i I felt glad i was so happy to sort of just be there in the end um and it was yeah an absolutely epic day out i mean it really like yeah i think that's the word i would use um the weather just made it one of those sort of just crazy days i don't you know that I hope sort of live, lives long in, in the memory uh, for a lot of people. And I just felt um, really happy to be a part of it, to be honest. So you, in the end, you, you didn't finish, did you? But um, I did catch you a couple of times on the TV. So when the helicopters were sort of down and there weren't any helicopter picks, <laughs> there were a couple of times you went, you went past on, on the broadcast just when you were doing circuits of, the, of Harrogate. Uh, and it just looked, I mean, God, it looked awful. Um, and I don't think people at home didn't really realize how steep some of those climbs were in, in the finishing circuit. Um, and God, I mean, I mean, yeah, was everyone just absolutely cooked? 
<laughs> they would have known how steep they were if they saw me going up them honestly <laughs> um yeah there was a big old there's a big like race going uh there's a big race going into the circuit so my kind of job was just to chaperone sam into that and basically give almost just give him a lead out to give him good positioning to the circuit so kind of like tick that off and then just hung in on on the bunch and then it, i got caught up in that gilbert uh crash with um and i was riding along with remco after that but yeah we 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 didn't make the uh unfortunately we didn't make it back to the race um and i was in i was in this group with eddie and stuff and i just said to eddie like i'm i'm just gonna carry on riding and uh because i wanted to sort of try to see out the day but yeah sadly um yeah well, i got pulled out before the end because um well basically i was gonna get a lap so <laughs> what was it like then riding in in the bunch there was it just i mean was the pace just kind of relentless or or, or what or did you find it not too bad until you got to the finishing circuit or? no yeah it was okay like, I, I was really nervous coming in at the start of the race like really nervous because i did feel like i was sort of a little bit out of my depth um but uh, yeah it was actually it was okay like when the when the break was going and stuff, I was sort of keeping an eye on on what was happening and things like that. And obviously, that was that bit was quite um, full on. But yeah, then once the break went and things settled down, and we we were, I was up near the front doing a bit of riding and stuff. Um, and it, it, yeah, no, it was okay. So it's just sort of after that, we we're just trying to stay warm. So um, and then yeah, the race just went a little bit hard it went pretty hard going onto the circuit as well but i mean there wasn't any it wasn't flat out all day by by any means it was it was in all sense just a war of attrition yeah it must have been pretty special though to, to represent ireland hopefully more of that to come right definitely yeah it was it was it was great yeah i just loved it so rory what is next for you i'll be riding i'll be carrying on again uh with canyon dhb next year um yeah we've you know the team's gotten better every year and again we've got a really sort of exciting sort of race calendar being put together for next season um so i really just want to cement um the things i achieved this year and, and try and build on that um i'm definitely will be looking at yorkshire i think and looking at that race is just because it's been one that i haven't quite ever got right like i was like i said i was ill there this year and so i'll definitely go there with some um aspirations to do well um but uh yeah in in my immediate future yeah we're um we're actually off to china um in a couple of weeks to go race out there and that'll be really like a good sort of kickstart to my winter training um and then we'll be off down in calpe again in, in january so so one more season uh, with Canyon DHB, and then I mean for twenty twenty one, what what's the goal? Are you looking to are you looking to move up? I mean Pro Conti World Tour, Rory. Definitely, yeah, Matt, that's that's got to be the aim. Like I, um, I was having a lot of like conversations and stuff this year, um, and you know for one reason or another, like um, what I was hoping on happening didn't quite come off, but. Um, that's not a complaint. That's not me complaining by any means because I'm still um, I'm still in a good place. Uh, Tim's been like really good with me, um, and it's like really looked after me. So um, 
but uh, yeah, I definitely want to be looking at sort of yeah moving up um, uh, to sort of like the pro quality level at some point soon. Um, so yeah, that, that's hopefully what I'll be doing. Brilliant. We will be keeping a close eye on you then next season, Rory. Great. Um, cool. So look, thanks a lot for for joining me us on on the rouge report um and uh yeah good luck in china i guess in a couple weeks great man thank you